Well, this morning, uh, we're going to jump right into our message. We began a series four weeks ago entitled Fight for Your Field, and we've been talking about spiritual warfare, and we've identified a couple things over the last four weeks. We recognize that even though every day is not a battle, can somebody say praise God for that? Every day is not a battle, but every day we are at war. There is a spiritual war that is raging every single day in our lives, and we've been talking about how important it is to have that warfare mentality because if I prepare in the camp when I'm not on the battlefield, then I'm ready in the field when it's time to fight. And so we recognize how important that is. Uh, we also looked last week, and we're going to kind of just revisit this thought. We said really there are some keys to spiritual warfare. The first one is this. We said you need to know your enemy. You need to know your enemy. You need to know yourself. And you need to know your God. Can I get an amen from somebody today? You need to know your enemy. You need to know yourself. And you need to know your God. Last week, we talked about one way that Satan attacks us. We said Satan uses accusation to bring condemnation into our life, to bring isolation and separation. He wants, to, he wants us to self-destruct and disconnect from the opportunity that God has given us to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then we talked about how that God strengthens us. The way that God strengthens us to overcome accusation is God gives us affirmation. God affirms us. God speaks to us. God whispers in our hearts and he literally shouts in our ears if we'll listen that we are loved and that we are chosen and that we are acceptable in his sight. He affirms us and he calls us out of hiding and he calls us into the high calling that he has for our lives. So today we're going to kind of continue that thought. We're going to talk about another way that Satan attacks us and we're going to talk about another way that God strengthens us to win the battle. So James chapter 1 verses 12 through 16. The Bible says this, it says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation and afterwards they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember when you're being tempted do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful action, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Now look with me in Matthew 4, verse 1. The Bible says, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the who? By the devil. So look at that first point on your outline. Satan attacks us through temptation. Satan uses temptation to drag us away from God and bring us into the bondage of sin which gives birth to death. Satan attacks us through temptation. I want to read verse 14 again. The Bible says, Temptation comes from our own desires which entice us and drag us away. The word entice literally means to bait the field. It means to bait you. How many of you understand that Satan attacks us through temptation and what he does is he baits us with our own desires? Think about that. The Bible says we are led away by our own desires. Satan perverts the desire of our heart in order to lead us into sin. How many know that we all have some natural desires that are God-given, right? The desire to be loved, the desire to be accepted, the desire to be valuable or important, 
The desire in the natural, right? The desire for food and clothing and shelter, those are all natural desires that God gave us. But what Satan does is Satan brings a perverted twist to the desire of our heart in order to entice us and drag us away. The desire for love ends up being lust. The desire for provision ends up being greed. <laughs> right? The desire for significance ends up being manipulation and control. And all of a sudden, if we're not careful, if we're not on guard, if we're not sober and alert, the adversary, the devil, the Bible says, will come in and using temptation, he will entice us, drawing on our own desires and lead us away from God. Recognize the purpose of temptation is ultimately, first of all, to draw you away from the Father, to draw you away from God's purpose, God's plan, God's best for your life. Because remember, we're fighting for that field. Remember that field, that friend, your friends, your relatives, your associates, your neighbors. We're fighting for the people that are in our lives because God wants me and you to be a person of influence and impact that draws other people to Christ. And once you're born again, you win. Amen? And the battle now is all about your influence. Are you going to have a field of influence? Are you going to be the kind of person that actually draws people to Christ? Are you going to be the kind of person that actually pushes people away from Christ? And so we're fighting for that field. So Satan uses those natural desires to draw us away. I, I was thinking about any, any Shark Week fans in the house. We got any little Shark Week fans? One, one shark. There we go. Thank you, James. Anybody know what Shark Week is? How about that? Anybody know what a shark is? Y'all are not helping me at all this morning. Well, if you've ever watched Shark Week, you know, they do this thing. They call it chum in the water. Y'all know what I'm talking about? They take chum, which is all this fish guts and blood and all that nasty stuff, and they dump it out in the water to attract the sharks, right? Because what they're really doing is they're, they're playing on the natural desire of the shark to draw him and bait him so they can either trap or kill him. And the Holy Spirit said this to me. He said, Keith, do you realize there's a bucket of bait with your name on it? There's a bucket of bait with every person in this room and every one of you watching online. There's a bucket of bait with your name on it. The devil knows your heart's desire. And he doesn't know your heart's desire because he can read your mind. He knows your heart's desire because he's like Siri and Facebook and Google. He's listening to everything you say. Right? I mean, isn't it crazy you're sitting around the house talking about something and you get on your phone and the first ad that pops up is the very thing you were just talking about. You're like, that's kind of freaky. Let me tell you something. The devil can't read your mind, but he's listening to your words because Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Satan knows your heart's desire. And what he does is he will take your heart's desire, which is good, and many times from God, and he will put a twist on it in order to draw you away from the Father. I saw this in my life early on in ministry. The Lord just reminded me of this this morning. The first two years I was a pastor, I abandoned the needs of my family in order to meet the needs of the church. See, Satan took my desire to serve God and build the kingdom, and he twisted it. 
And he twisted it. So literally for the first two years that I was a pastor, I would literally neglect the needs of my family so I could meet the needs of the church. Because I felt like as long as I was pursuing that desire to serve God, then it had to be right. And if I would take care of the church, then surely God would take care of my family. That is a lie. Because I am responsible for my family. My first and my highest calling is to be a husband and a father then be a pastor because the strength of my ministry will never exceed the strength of my family and what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own family it took me two years to figure it out it took me two years to recognize I had took the bait of the enemy I had took the bait of Satan there was chum in the water with my name on it and it was my desire for God that actually became the thing that drew me further away from what God really intended for my life and I'm so thankful for what we're going to talk about today the conviction of the Holy Spirit I'm so thankful that God never leaves us and he never abandons us and even when we have hook, line, and sinker took the bait. God is still there every step of the way trying to cut the line and cut you loose. Amen. I want to let you know today, if you're hooked, God will cut you loose. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. He wants to cut the line and cut you loose today. Amen. Look at that next point. I want you to see this. When we are bound by sin, we become pregnant with death. I want you to listen to that phrase, pregnant with death. I want to reread verse 15 to you. It says, these desires give birth to sinful action. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. When we are bound by sin, we become pregnant with death. We labor through our lives only to give birth to more death and more bondage and more pain. Literally, our lives become the breeding ground for sorrow, pain, and death. And not only do we lose our field of influence, but worse than that, we become a negative influence pushing people away from God instead of drawing people to God. The Lord when we're bound by sin let's talk about that how many of you understand today that it is not a sin to be tempted to sin <laughs> temptation is not sin and there's a difference between being bound by sin and struggling against sin see if you're struggling against sin today let me just tell you something you're in a good place you're in a good place because there's something in you that is still resisting the thing that the devil is trying to use against you to draw you away from God to draw you away from God's plan, to draw you away from God's purpose for your life. And the fact that you're struggling against sin is a good indicator that you're in a place where you can ultimately win the battle. And I hope that today what you're going to hear this morning is going to give you the resources, the tools that you need to win the battle against sin today. Because I'm going to give you some very powerful yet very practical truth from Scripture today that if you're in the struggle, you can walk out of here today victorious. But there's a big difference between struggling with sin and being bound by sin. When I'm bound by sin, I have accepted the thing, and I actually many times then begin to nurture it in my life. Just this morning, as I was praying, the Holy Spirit said to me, He said, Keith, He said, Do you know one of the differences between being between struggling with sin and being bound by sin? He said, When you're bound by sin, you plan to sin. 
Think about it. Think about times in your life, maybe not right now, but think about times in your life when you were bound by sin, when you were bound by things. Maybe it was lust, maybe it was pride, maybe it was jealousy, maybe it was bitterness. Do you ever remember a time when you were bound by bitterness and you were planning your revenge and you were planning how you were going to get even and you were planning how you were going to get them back and you were planning how you were going to vindicate yourself? Let me tell you something, if you're planning to sin, you're bound. If you're making plans on how you can get the next high or the next fix, you're bound. If you're making, making plans on how that covetous spirit is going to somehow allow you to buy that car that you can't afford and buy that house that you can't afford and buy those things on credit that you can't afford just so you'll be a step ahead of the other people that you're trying to beat, you are bound. And when you're bound by sin, you become a breeding ground of death and destruction. Galatians chapter 5, verse 9, I believe it is. The Bible says this. It says a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Leaven in the New Testament is used to describe sin. Leaven is yeast. So when you put a little yeast in the bread, all of a sudden the whole loaf of bread is leaven. It doesn't take a lot. It just takes a little. And this is what I know about sin. This is what God's Word teaches us about sin. A little sin will poison your entire life. That secret sin, consider this. That secret sin that you think doesn't affect your family will affect your family. That secret sin that you think will not affect your job will affect your job. That secret sin that you think will not affect your ministry or your calling or your purpose in God, it will affect your ministry, your calling, and your purpose in God. That thing that you think is totally disconnected from every other aspect of your life, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. What does that mean? It means this, a little that one thing has now affected everything in your life. That's why Jesus, when Jesus talked about sin, you know what Jesus said to do? He said, if your hand causes you to sin, he said, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, he says, pluck it out. Why? Because Jesus understood the severity of allowing one thing to go unchecked, of allowing one sin to go undealt with, allowing one thing in your life to begin to reign over you. Because if you come into bondage to one sin, it won't be long before that one sin will bring your entire life into a place of bondage and you'll become a breeding ground for death one of the biggest lies the devil tells us is my sins not hurting anybody but me your sins hurting everybody that loves you everybody that cares about you everybody that's connected to you let's just be honest the people that you work with that don't even like you your sins affecting them <laughs> and they don't even like you but because the quality of your work has gone down, now their job is harder, and now they don't like you even a little more. Why? Because a little sin leavens the whole lump. That's why God takes such a serious approach toward dealing with the sin in our life. And that's why Satan works so hard through temptation to ensnare us and bring us into the bondage of sin. Because he knows if he can get a foothold in one area of your life, he can begin to poison every other area of your life but the good news of the gospel is that whom the son sets free is free indeed there is forgiveness there is grace there is mercy you can begin again today amen you can begin again there is a new beginning in Christ today because of the hope of the gospel that we have in Jesus 
Look with me in 2 Peter. I want you to listen to what the Apostle Peter said. He's talking here about false teachers and about those who are ensnared by the habit of sin. He says, They, speaking of the false teachers, brag about themselves with empty, foolish boasting. With an appeal to twisted sexual desires, they lure back into sin those who have barely escaped from a lifestyle of deception. They promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves of sin and corruption. Isn't that how the devil works? He promises you freedom. He says, if you'll just do this one thing, everything will be all right. Isn't it amazing how he can package our entire happiness into one act of disobedience, and somehow we take the bait. This will make everything right, but it doesn't. He promises us liberty, but he himself is bound by sin and corruption. For you are a slave, the Bible says, to whatever controls you. Look at verse 20. And when people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and then get tangled up and enslaved by sin again, they are worse off than before. It would be better that they had never known the way to righteousness than to know it and then reject the commandment. Look at the commandment. Reject the commandment that they were given to live a holy life. How many know you were called to live a holy life? Holy is not perfect. It is set apart. You've been called to be set apart for God. And the Bible says once you come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and then become enslaved to sin... That's not the struggle of sin. That's going back into bondage to sin. It says you're worse off than before. Let me tell you one reason why that's true. Because before you were a Christian, you could enjoy your sin. <laughs> but the moment you come to Christ, sin loses its lasting pleasure. <laughs> and the most miserable, I want you to hear me today, the most miserable person on the planet is not the atheist that denies God. It's the Christian that's in rebellion to God. The most miserable person on the planet is the Christian that is living in rebellion to God because they choose their way over God's way and they've taken the bait. Satan has chummed the water and we've jumped in. But there's good news today. How many glad there's good news today? So let's talk about how God empowers us to overcome temptation. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. The Bible says the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. And when you are tempted, He will show you a way out. King James says, way of escape. I love that little phrase. A way of escape. There's a way out. Look what it says, so that you can endure. So look at that next point on your outline. God strengthens us to overcome temptation through the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about that more. God will not allow the temptation to sin to be greater than His grace upon our life. The grace of God is not just unmerited favor. The grace of God is divine power. It is supernatural empowerment. God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what the Bible says you are able to stand. Where there is sin, there is a grace that is greater to overcome that temptation to sin. Amen? 
Temptation is an outward draw. Satan draws us away, playing on the desires of our heart, but he's drawing us away. But the conviction of the Holy Spirit is an inward power that sustains us and strengthens us because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. John chapter 16, verse 8, Jesus said this, And when he, the Holy Spirit, has come, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. How many of you are thankful today for the conviction of the Holy Spirit? I'm just going to tell you, I am so thankful today that there is conviction for sin. I'm so thankful today there is conviction for righteousness. What does that mean? He convicts us when we're about to do something wrong. He convicts us to show us the thing that is right. And he convicts us of judgment. He reminds us. Guess what? You need to be reminded. One day you're going to stand before God. One day you're going to give an account to the Lord. Even as a Christian, my eternity is sealed through the finished work of Jesus, but I'm still going to give an account for how I live my daily life. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit convicts me that's sin. He convicts me that's the right thing to do. He convicts me. Remember, Keith, one day you're going to give an account to God for how you lived your life. Well, Pastor Keith, I don't believe in that. It doesn't matter. You still are. What you believe in that element is irrelevant because God is God. And it is His standard and His judgment by which we will all stand and give an account for our life. And the only hope of eternity is Jesus. And then once we come to Jesus, now we have a responsibility to manage our own bodies in holiness and righteousness. Not perfection because we're not perfect, but we are holy. We have been set apart by the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, so that I now have an inner witness, an inner compass in my soul that tells me what is right and what is wrong. I want you to do something. Think, think about the last time, and maybe it's been a long time. <laughs> think about the last time you did something you knew you shouldn't have done. Y'all with me? And if you think about the last time you did something you knew you shouldn't have done, before you did it, guess what? You knew you shouldn't have done it. Even before you did it, you knew you weren't supposed to do it. You did it, no doubt. I did too. I'm guilty. Raise both hands. But before I did the thing that I wasn't supposed to do, I knew in here, Keith, don't do that. Don't go there. Don't say that. Keep your mouth shut. That's a hard one right there, right? Lord Jesus, that's tough. You know why you knew you weren't supposed to do it even before you did it? Because if you're born again, then there is a conviction of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you that tells you this is right, this is wrong. And remember, one day you're going to answer to God for how you lived your life. Don't waste the grace that God has given to you. Romans or Philippians 2, let's look at Philippians 2. Philippians 2 verse 13, I love this scripture. It says, God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Recognize something today. God not only gives us the desire to do what pleases Him, because I'm convinced of this. I've been around enough Christians long enough now to know that when somebody is born again, they genuinely have a desire to please God. They're not getting up every day saying, I just want to spit in the face of God. No, if you've really been born again, you really desire to please the Lord. 
And God, the Bible says, through the Holy Spirit, has given us the desire to do the things that please Him. But He didn't stop there. How many of you know if God would have just gave us the desire but not gave us the power, that would have been pretty cruel? He would have basically set us up for failure. He said, I'm going to let you want to do the right thing, but you're never going to have the power to do the right thing, so you're always going to be miserable. God did not do that. He did not trick us. God empowered us. He gave us the desire and the power to do the things that please the Lord. Why? Because God has given us the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, and there is a conviction in our heart that alerts us to what is right and what is wrong and what is true and what is not. And praise God for that conviction. Amen? Look at that next point. Let's talk about that conviction a little more because this is huge. Conviction exposes the lies. It refutes the false imaginations. And it affirms the truth. The conviction of the Holy Spirit exposes the lies. Satan is a liar and the father of lies. So when the temptation that draws upon the desire of your heart, which is a good thing and even many times a God thing, when that temptation that now twists your natural desire to draw you away from God the Father, all of a sudden what you recognize, it is the conviction of the Holy Spirit that says, don't do that, it's not true. That's a lie. That's a scheme. That's a plot of the enemy. And not only does the conviction expose the lie, but think about this, it refutes the false imaginations. Satan is a masterful artist. He paints beautiful pictures. Think about it. Think about how he paints these pictures of temptation. And again, I said it a while ago, it's amazing how he can paint a picture of this one thing that if we just have that one thing, we think it's going to make everything all right. And it never does. Because it's a lie. It's a false imagination that is painted, Satan has painted a picture that is not real. That's not real. The high, the lust, the pleasure, the revenge, all of those things, he paints those pictures. Have you ever, have you ever, this is a little calmer, this is a little more Christianese. Have you ever been upset with somebody and you wanted to give them a piece of your mind? And you just thought, I mean, the devil just, if you could just tell them what you're really thinking, you're going to feel so good. And you do for about 30 seconds. And then you go home and you're like, what did I say? That's a small picture of what happens on a big scale every day in our world and every day in our lives. So it is the conviction of the Holy Spirit that refutes that. When the devil starts painting that picture, the Holy Spirit starts saying, that's not true. That's not the whole picture. That's not really everything that you're seeing. That's not what's really going to happen. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful that the Holy Spirit exposes the lies, refutes those false imaginations. When I think about those false imaginations, I just think of beer commercials. I mean, you ever watch a beer commercial? I mean, it's like gushing, flowing rivers, <laughs> magnificent horses. And beautiful women. Bam! I mean, come on, give me a case. 
But for anybody in this room that's ever battled addiction, for anybody in this room that's ever been on the receiving end of someone that had one too many, you understand it ain't really all it's cracked up to be. It's a false imagination that does not deliver what you envision it was going to deliver. Let's look at another way God strengthens us. God strengthens us to overcome temptation. This is, this is huge. This is worth the price of admission right here. By creating a way of escape. Listen to this next statement. We don't fight temptation. We flee from temptation. We don't fight temptation. We flee from temptation. We overcome by getting out of the place of temptation because proximity creates power. Listen to what the scripture says. The scripture says that the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. And when you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Let me tell you one of the lies Satan has given us. He has given us this lie that if you're strong enough, you'll just stay there and fight it. Just fight. Just fight that temptation. Just fight that temptation. Just cast down those thoughts and keep casting down those thoughts. Keep casting down those thoughts. Let me tell you the best thing to do. Run. Run, 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 Forrest, run. Come on, somebody. When you find yourself in a place of temptation, run. The Bible says that God will make, listen to what the Scripture said, He will make a way of escape so that we can endure. He does not say he makes a way of escape so we can overcome. We endure. Listen to this. God gives us the conviction of the Holy Spirit so we can endure the temptation and recognize that it is what it is. It is a temptation from the enemy. And then he gives us the strength and the mentality to run from the temptation. Don't camp out. In the place of temptation. Let me just be honest with you. Most Christians fall into a snare of bondage to sin because they try to fight the temptation instead of flee from it. Listen to what the scripture says. 1 Corinthians 6, 18. Run from sexual sin. Run from sexual sin. 1 Thessalonians 5, 22. Stay away from every kind of evil. King James says every appearance of evil. 1 Corinthians 10, 14. Therefore, my beloved, flee from adultery. Anything that would want to cause you to worship something more than worshiping God, run from it. 2 Timothy 2, 22. Flee youthful lust. You hear a repetitive theme? Flee, run, run, flee. Get out of there. Why? Because your proximity determines the power. The closer you are to the place of temptation, the more power it has over you. And the further you get away from that place of temptation, the stronger you become in overcoming it. Let's just be honest in this room here today, and those of you watching online, you know right now there are some people that if you get around them, you'll do things you shouldn't do. There are some places that if you go there, you'll do things you shouldn't do. There are some websites that if you look at, you'll do things you shouldn't do. There are some, there are some things that if you engage in, you know you're going to do some things you shouldn't do. So cut it off and run. If there's bait in the water, 
get out of the water. <laughs> Just put up a sign that says, no swimming here. <laughs> See, some of you need to cut off some relationships. Some of you need to cut off some apps. Some of you might even need to cut off your phone and go back to landline. I don't even know what that looks like anymore, but it might help you. Let me ask you a question. Isn't the joy of freedom worth it? And isn't the pain and sorrow of sin, hasn't it devastated you enough? Hasn't it hurt your family enough? Hasn't it impacted the people you care about enough? How much longer are we willing to stay in the very thing that is just birthing more death and birthing more death and birthing more death? I don't want to be a breeding ground for destruction. I want to be a fountain of life. And the good news of the gospel is I can run. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you a little story with you. I didn't share this last service, but I, I used to share this at our encounters during the sexual purity teaching so many of you may or may not know, I laid carpet. So I was a bivocational pastor for years, and I used to lay carpet for a living. And I, I remember one day I went to a job, and I was laying carpet in a room down in the basement. And the guy was not there. He gave me the code to get in his garage. And he said, when you go in at the back of the garage, there's a wall there. There's a door. Just go in. That's the room I want the carpet in. So I, I show up to the job, and I, I hit the code, and the garage door comes up. And right there on the wall beside the door there is a poster filled with images of naked women. I mean, somebody spent a lot of time and a lot of money and a lot of energy putting this thing together. And I saw that poster. I mean, of course, first thing caught my eye. And immediately, I turned around. And I started praying. And this is what I said. Lord, I'm not strong enough to walk by that poster all day long and not sin. I'm not strong enough. I was a pastor. I was a Christian. I love God. But I knew my flesh. You got to know yourself, guys. I knew I was not strong enough for the next eight hours to walk in and out of that room and walk by that poster. And so I'm sitting there and praise God. God, fake God is faithful to his word. I got my back to the wall and the Holy Spirit just reminds me. He shows me a way of escape. He reminds me of a Bible story. It's the story of Noah. And when Noah, after the flood, had sinned and got drunk and was in his tent naked, the Bible says Noah's two sons took a cloth or a garment and they walked in backwards and covered up their father's nakedness so that they would not look upon him. And immediately I knew what I was supposed to do. So I turned my back and I put my hands out and I started walking backwards so I hit that wall. Then I felt along that wall until I found that picture. I closed my eyes. I turned around and grabbed that picture, and I turned around and put the face of that picture to the wall, and I went to work. Because I know I'm not strong enough, guys, but everywhere I go, guess what? God is faithful. I can run. I'm just going to tell you right now, if you'll run, you'll win. And if you don't, you'll lose. It's that simple. If you run, you win. If you don't, you lose. And you're deceiving yourself. It's called pride. Well, I'm strong enough. Yeah, I'll be counseling with you in a little while. Because <laughs> you're not. Last point, I want you to see this. You are not powerless, guys. 
You are powerful. Temptation isn't optional. Let me, let me just say, we can't opt out on temptation. It's there. As long as you've got flesh, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life, we're, we're all subject to temptation as long as we're in this world. Temptation is not optional, but victory is guaranteed. Our victory is guaranteed if we will work with what God has given us, if we will allow the conviction of the Holy Spirit to give us the revelation to recognize the temptation, and then if we'll allow the strength of God to empower us to run from the very thing that is trying to tear us down. Victory is guaranteed. Remember what you're fighting for, right? We're fighting for our families. We're fighting for our sons and our daughters. We're fighting for our husbands and wives. We're fighting for that field of influence. The people we love the most, that's who we're fighting for. And let me tell you something, they're worth it. It's worth it. Your marriage is worth it. Your family is worth it. Your kids are worth it. Our community's worth it. Arab's worth it. Come on, somebody. Arab needs a church like Liberty Church. Arab needs Christians like you that are going to fight and win the battle against temptation because you're smart enough to run. <laughs> because if you run from temptation, you can fight another day and win souls for Jesus Christ. You're an overcomer. The heartbeat, listen to this. I, I want to reread that, that scripture again, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Because I want you to hear this. Our ability to overcome is rooted in God's faithfulness. Listen to what the scripture says. The temptations in your life are no different from what others have experienced. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. And when you are tempted, He will show you a way of escape. He's faithful. Our victory over temptation is rooted in the faithfulness of God. We can win. Amen? Let's bow our heads together today. If you're watching online, I want you just even there, just to bow your head, just, just to get reverent before the Lord for just a moment. Two things I do every Sunday. The first thing is simply this. If you're here today and you're born again, and you know that you know that you know you're a Christian, I want to encourage you in two things this morning as a believer. Number one, don't live in bondage to sin. Don't make excuses. Don't justify. Don't, don't allow the devil to rob you of your field of influence. Don't allow temptation to twist a God-given desire and create something that actually draws you away instead of draws you near to the heart of God. And it really is this simple. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. There's no condemnation in Christ today. God loves you. We love you. And the, hearts, the, the, the desire of heaven this morning is that every believer in Jesus Christ would live free so we can bring freedom to other people. So if that's you this morning, just do some business with the Lord right now. You and God, He hears you. He sees you. If you're watching online, just, just take this moment just to get serious with the Lord. Confess it. Acknowledge it. And then run from it, guys. Cut some things off. Disconnect some things. Walk, walk out of those rooms 
that have ensnared you. Remove yourself from that place of temptation and just draw a line in the sand. I'm not going there. No swimming here anymore. There's bait in the water, so don't get in the water. The second thing I want to do is if you're here this morning or you're watching online, you say, you know what, Pastor Keith, I've never been born again. I believe there is a God, and I, I believe Jesus is the Son of God, but I've never really committed my life to following Him. I've never received that gift of eternal life that He promises. I've never been born again. The Spirit of God doesn't live in me. You're talking about that conviction, and my conscience tells me things are wrong, but I don't really don't have that inner conviction. There's no power there, and I need that. And I realize I'm a sinner, and I want to be saved. If that's you, I want you to do something really simple. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're watching online, you can do this with us also. Just a simple act of faith, just to raise your hand. Say, today, Pastor Keith, I want to be saved. I want to be born again. Just a simple act of faith. Just raise your hand. Hit that little hand emoji online. If you're here in, in the audience today, just slip your hand up. This is huge because it's just an act of faith. Today's my day. I, I want to accept Christ. I want to be born again. We're going to pray a prayer together today. There's nothing magical about the prayer, but the prayer is just a conduit to get our hearts expressing, our mouth expressing what our heart is crying out to God for. So if you're here today and you want to pray this prayer, if you're watching online and you raised your hand, you put that little hand emoji up there. Let's just pray this out loud. Everybody in the room here, let's say it together out loud together. Dear Heavenly Father, Dear Heavenly Father I, believe I believe Jesus died on the cross. For my sins. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. I want to be born again. And live for Jesus. Every day. All day. For the rest of my life. I receive your gift. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today.